blasted in doing the worship. If you didn't get blasted, Lord blast you. Because <laughs> the Lord loves to get us blasted, I think. He does me anyway. Uh, <clears throat> I'm going to have to get my thoughts together, man. Mm, thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you so much for your presence. And that's the most important thing there is for us, is you and your presence in our life. And I just ask you to help us right now and more of your presence and more of your love. Yeah, that we never get enough, Lord. There's never enough. We'll never run out of you. And we really, really want to just keep going and get more and more until we just absolutely explode, Lord, because you've just filled us so much. We just explode with your goodness and love in our life. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, one thing I wanted to tell you, just so you would know, uh, you know, everybody wants to know about where we are spiritually, right? I mean, that's sort of a big thing, is to understand what's happening spiritually. I, didn't, I don't think I shared this in this service last week. Oh, Christina Casperson, stand up. She, she flew a long ways to get to church this morning, all the way from China. And I'm sure she's real wide awake and her mind's all together and the life is great, right? I mean, I'm sure she feels that way. I know she does because she just got home yesterday morning. No, this morning at 2. So right now it is 12.20 a.m. in China. So she's sort of 12 hours off. She's normally sleeping at this time, right? So it's, we're glad for her to be back today. Lord bless you. be interesting to hear what her... What's going to be happening with her? She's got some new revelation she wants to share here once she gets over being sleepy. (laughs) Make no big decisions for at least two weeks. That's my counsel. And don't take anything personal, you know. Anything anybody says to you, just ignore them, you know, because it's jet lag. It really messed messed me up, man, I'm telling you. So anyways, back to where we are spiritually. Um, A couple, two or three weeks ago, Becky had a vision and in the vision, she saw drummer boys, and she didn't know what drummer boys were, but they were like from the Civil War kind of drummer boys, and she did some research on it, and in the Civil War, drummer boys were like, the, they were like key in, every, in, in the battles that they had, that they fought, because what they would do is the drum beats would communicate what the commanders wanted to happen on the, on the battlefield. That's what was happening. Uh, but she saw uh, several of them. They were heavenly uh, drummer boys, and they were marching in a V. Okay? And uh, this morning we got some more revelation on that from Second Chronicles twenty twenty one, where uh, as worship is being sent out, that's the first thing that God sends out into when, he's, when he goes to war is the worshipers. Okay? They're the ones who go out into battle first is, is worship. God always sends worship ahead because the enemy can't deal with worship. And so one of the things that, that I've been feeling, and this is, is that God is calling us in a, to a time to advance spiritually. You know, we've been sort of in the last couple of years just been trying to keep from getting shook down. You know, it's been an unstable time, and we've really tried to stick to the, you know, having done all to stand, stand firm is what Paul said. You know, when, you're, you know, when the enemy's coming on you hard, it's a time just to stand and stand firm. But I believe the Lord's calling us now. He's saying that season is over. It's time for the church to begin to advance. It's time for the people of God to begin to make advancement. So you got you got to do this. You can't stay. You can't keep just standing. If, if the the drummers are saying it's time to march into battle, it's time to go. And if you keep just standing when God's saying to battle, you, then you're going to be in a not in a good situation. 
So it's time for us to really be more intentional spiritually to really start pressing in and not just accepting things, just not accepting way, the way, you know, how the enemy is doing people these days. Don't just accept it. Don't just accept him messing with you. Now it's time to start pushing back. You know, don't just hold your shield up and, you know, hope you get through the night without getting hit with the dart. Now it's time to really start retaliating and pushing in. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good word, right out of Jude. Contend for the faith. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that's exactly right. It really is taking more of a, an intentional approach to things instead of just like holding steady. You know, there's a time to wait. There's a time to be on, you know, to hold and just hang in there. But now is not that time. Amen? So I encourage you to begin to do that in your own personal life and begin to take ground. Okay, begin to take ground instead of losing ground or just trying to hold on to what you have. And, and I believe the Lord will bless what you're doing. All righty, here's some, I want to talk to you. If you remember, I'll just give you a recap just to help you, and I'll give you a couple of testimonies. I got my own testimonies from my own messages, okay, if, whether anybody else has them or not, but I got my own. But if you remember last week, I, I began to talk to you about the seven sayings from the cross. And when Jesus hung on the cross, he had seven statements that he made uh, and last week, the statement I shared was the statement where he said, Father, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And I talked to you about how God gives us the gift of forgiveness, that really forgiveness comes from the Father. And then I also shared in uh, Mark 11 where Jesus uh, was talking about prayer, and he was talking about, uh, you know, it was when the, the dried up fig tree deal. And the disciples were questioning him about it. And he said, if you've got faith and don't have, do not doubt in your heart, you can say to that mountain, be removed and, and cast into the sea. So whenever you stand, pray, and believe, and you'll receive the things that you ask for. And then he says, as you, and, when, and when you're praying, if you have anything against anyone, okay, that was his statement, anything against anyone, you forgive them, or if your father won't forgive him. No, it's what he was saying. If you have anything in your heart against any person, that will cause the thing called doubt to birth in your heart, and it will hinder you from being able to receive what God has for you, which is a pretty major, uh, you know, encouragement, motivation to deal with anything against anyone. So I asked the Lord this week, one morning I said, Lord, if I have anything against anyone, I want you to show me. Nothing happened that moment, but a couple hours later, I was in a parking lot. I was getting something out of my trunk, and I heard this, this voice behind me say, Is that Pastor Byron? And I turned around, I said, Yes, it is. And I turned around, and a man was walking up to me that, guess what? I had anything against him. I had an issue with this man. And as he was walking up to me, I realized, God has just answered my prayer. And I began to repent. Yeah, I began to repent right then for my judgment. And I began to repent and judge the judgment I made against him. You know, that's what we were taught early on as Christians. You judge your wrong judgments. If you judge something, you judge it as being wrong. Lord, I made a wrong judgment then. I'm sorry I ask you to forgive me. I judge what I judge as being off and wrong. And I was able to really, you know, communicate with the man and bless the man. And that was really good. But it didn't stop there. Uh, later, I was in, in the uh, Y, in the gym, working out, and then I heard this voice coming up to me. Pastor Wicker, it's so good to see you. And as I turn around, there's this lady. And guess what? Anything against anyone, okay? And it was like, oh, Lord, 
you know, I'm so sorry, Lord. Please forgive me. I went through that whole process in my mind as I talked to this woman and just was able to bless her. Actually, it was her husband who I really had the real issue, but, you know, things get blurred, you know, the husband, the guilt by association. But she said, oh, and she said, I want to tell you something. I had a dream about your church, and this is just a great, and this is what she said. She said, the Lord wants to, wants to tell you that your church, y'all are creating a great army in your church. And a great army is being raised up. And she said, I walked into your church in a dream, and it, the atmosphere was blue, okay, which means rev- the revelatory realm. Okay? So that's really, really a great... And I, yes, I received that, especially, you know, after I cleared my anything against anyone, which was really awesome. But it didn't stop there. This is all in one day now. It didn't stop there. Later that evening, I was watching Daystar TV, which is a Christian television network. And uh, anybody watch Daystar? I love them people. My Marcus Lamb, that guy. Marcus Lamb has probably got most of the New Testament memorized. I've watched him preach and, and quote chapters of the Bible without even reading it. I'm amazed. And he's a really brilliant businessman, a really good preacher. But anyways, that's more, I'm just sort of amazed at that guy, incredibly anointing that he has and how so, he's just a cool guy. Uh, but there was a guy, I was sort of surfing, you know, and, and looking at the menu, and there was a guy preaching on, it was on Daystar, and I thought about, I want to really find out what this guy's up to these days, because back in the 90s, this guy wrote a book, okay? And he wrote a book on how to have revival in your church. And I read the book, and I remember reading the book thinking, this is an awesome book, but that guy's a liar, because he did not do one of these things to get a revival in his church, because I know personally that they had a revival in their church, but he did none of the things in the book that he said he did. That was my opinion. And since that time, I had anything against anyone. But that wasn't conscious in my mind when I just decided I wanted to listen to him. As I was listening to him, I thought, oh, no. <laughs> anything has popped up again. <laughs> and I've repented again three times in one day where God was releasing me from anything against anyone so that I can, when I pray, my prayers can be answered. And I really encourage you to do that. Okay, if, if God doesn't show you anything against anyone, don't worry about it. But if He does, just be, a, be a, paying attention. He may bring somebody to your mind or that person may literally walk up to you or you may watch him on TV. You know, whatever. But let that happen in your life because that was the first thing that Jesus wanted us to know. And remember, I want to reemphasize this. When Jesus was on the cross dying, he was literally gasping for air. He literally could not hardly breathe. He was starving for oxygen. His, he was, his body was cramped up because of the position they put him, not to mention the torture, torture that he had gone through before he even got to the cross. So everything he was saying was coming at, at, at extreme difficulty and extreme cost to him personally because he just kept his mouth shut and died. It had been easier for him. And I think about what I'm trying to say to you is if someone you knew that, really, that you really loved and adored and they were somebody that you knew had something to say that was real and they were dying, you would want to hear what they had to say before they died, right? Because you knew at that moment... That would be something really big and important for you to hear, right? Even though, even if you were, if you were at the end of your life and you had the people around you that you loved the most, and you knew this was the last time you'd ever speak to them, you would make sure that whatever you said to them, it would be the things that were the most real and most important to you. 
yeah, I mean, we would do that. So that's really how I see these things that Jesus said. It was like his, the, you've, you know, this is, these are the most precious things I could say to anybody. These are the most precious things I could say because I'm dying. I'm saying them with my last breath, and I want you to get these things. I want you to have these things. That's why I believe they're so powerful and important, and that's why the forgiveness thing is such a wonderful thing. And, and remember, he said, Father, forgive them, okay, meaning that God the Father is the source of forgiveness. In other words, he was saying, he didn't say, I forgive them. He said, Father, forgive them. That's such a key point. Because what he was saying is, is it's, you know, for somebody to be ultimately forgiven, the Father is the one who does it. But we had to release the forgiveness, meaning that we have been forgiven, number one. Number two, we have forgiveness given to us to literally give to other people. Okay, so when a person says they can't forgive, that is not the truth if they've been forgiven. That is not the truth. Okay, the truth is you, you, you just can't do it that moment. You're working through it. That's okay. God, you know, works with the person. But there comes a point where forgiveness has to be released, and we can tap into that forgiveness that we've received from heaven. It literally is like God has deposited a pile of money into your account, bank account. And you had to forgive somebody. Here's $100 worth of forgiveness. I'll go into this account and release that forgiveness. And the beauty of it, it helps us. It keeps our prayers from being, from being hindered from answered. So it's for us. That's why Jesus wanted to know this. I want you to be prosperous. I want you to be blessed. I want your life to work. I want the things you pray for. I want to be able to release them to you. But if you've got unforgiveness in there, it's going to stop it. And that's why a lot of people's prayers are not answered. Because there's a block between them and the answer. That's pretty good, isn't it? All right, well, let's just go ahead. I'm going to do one today just to be done. And, uh, but I want to read this scripture to you and just bring this to you. It's 1 Corinthians 1.18. It says, the message of the cross. Now, notice it didn't say the cross. It says, the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, now the message of the cross and, and, or the blood of Jesus, uh, okay, this is what, it, when the Bible is talking about the, the cross, when the Bible is talking about the blood of Jesus, it is talking about the intense suffering and violent death that Jesus died. Okay, it's, when it says the blood, it's not talking about Jesus' white corpuscles, his platelets, his plasma, okay, it's not saying that. It's talking about the, the violence, the intense suffering, okay? In other words, we could say we are justified. By It says we're justified by the blood of Jesus in Romans chapter 5. We are justified by his, the intense suffering that he went through. Uh, so when Paul was saying the preaching of the cross, he's not talking about the preaching of a piece of wood or a, a, a cross of rare, you know, an emblem. He's talking about that violent death. Okay, so we could rephrase that and say it like this. The, the message of the intense suffering and violent death of Jesus Christ okay, is foolishness to those who are perishing, but to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. Now, I'm going to tell you something. When we begin to release this message, the message of suffering and a violent death, when that begins to get released, it does something. I'll tell you, it's the craziest thing in the world. I don't really understand it with my mind why, but somehow God does something in people's life when this message is really being released in a fresh way. 
Because there's people who are saying, I can't, I, this, is, this is doing something to me. I don't really understand it, but my life is being impacted by this, by these messages that really in your natural mind they don't like, well, how's that going to help anybody? How's that going to really do a radical thing in it? Because it's the, the Bible says that's what it does. It, there's this power that gets released. So God is releasing power into people's life right now, and He's doing things in them through um, the message of Jesus' intense suffering and violent death. Isn't that wonderful? It's powerful. So I'm going to encourage you to lay hold of this for yourself to receive, to receive the impartation that God has given right now because God is releasing the message of the cross, the message of blood from heaven. He's releasing that right now. It is on the Father's heart for us to get this, to receive it in a new way because He wants to release the power, His power into our lives in a different, different way. Amen? Are you all good so far? Woo, I think I'm talking fast. It feels like I am. All right, the second thing that Jesus said, I want to read this to you. And I promise you I'm not trying to stretch this out for seven weeks. You know, I know some preachers, they'll, they'll stretch something out forever just so they'll have something to share. Uh, but I'm not thinking that way. But I am thinking this is good here, okay? Oh, if you could just take and just think about this stuff, you know, when you're waking up in the morning. You know, one thing I'm really seeing a lot right now is the empty tomb. I'm waking up seeing an empty tomb. And the Lord's talking to me. That's what He's trying to talk. He wants to, he wants to bring about, there's an empty tomb. There's a tomb. You know, there's a tomb. Isn't it a marvelous thought? Listen, this is, this is a thought that I've been having. That God literally died. Just like we're all going to die if, we, if Jesus doesn't come back. We're going to die. And they're going to plant us into the ground. And that God did that. He did. He died. He laid in that tomb dead. His body was dead. He was dead. God did that. Now, then that, that sort of blows my mind when I think, God did that? God died? God, God Almighty, the Creator, became like us even into death? There's such power in that. Thank God He didn't stay there. You know, that would have been bad. He wouldn't have been God if He'd have stayed there. You know, but he didn't stay there. There's an empty tomb, but he did die. And what happened to him when he died sort of an important thing. And one of these days we might talk about it. There's some power get released when you think about what happened to Jesus when he died. You ever thought about that much? I mean, something happened to him. He went somewhere. His body was in a tomb. He went somewhere. And all that means something. There's power that gets released when we realize that. And I'll tell you, it'll make you love God. I'm amazed that God would do that. I'm just like, wow, God died. Think about it. Just take that. We're talking about God who created everything. We're thinking about God who, who nobody knows where He came from. You know, He's, the, he's what He says. I'm the all-sufficient. I'm the self-sufficient one. I'm the always one that exists. Because that was one of the questions I asked God before I got saved. Because I was reading in Genesis and I was saying, all right, you did all this and made all this. I can agree with that. But I want to know where you came from. Who made you? That's what I need to know. And I spent hours asking that and searching out that question because I want to know who made God. You ever thought about that? That's an endless answer. <laughs> it's, you know, your mind can't get around it. But, but this God who no one made, this God who has no, there's nobody can trace his genealogy. Nobody, he came here and died like us. He's trying to tell us something. He said, I died. You're going to die. But I've already died. I literally died. I went into the grave. 
That's powerful. I don't know about you, but that gets to me for some reason. It's doing something. I'm saying the power of the cross will get you. It'll do something on the inside of you. It's going to change us. It's going to change us. It's going to really do that. I know that. But this is what happened. Let me read this one in context. The second thing Jesus said. This is in order. Father, forgive them. That was number one. That's pretty important. Uh, Then one of the criminals who were hanged blasphemed him. Now here he is on the cross suffering intensely, and he's got this guy messing with him still. Blaspheming, saying nasty things to him, treating him badly. And this guy happens to be dying also, but he was just really vile. If you, if you, if, that's an important word, if you are the Christ, save yourself and us. But the other answering, the other guy hanging on the other side of him, rebuked him saying, do you not even fear God, seeing you're under the same condemnation? And we indeed justly, for we receive the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. This man has done nothing wrong. Then he said to Jesus, Lord, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And this is Jesus' word. And Jesus said to him, Assuredly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That sort of gives you a big hint of what happened to Jesus when he died. But we ain't going to get into that today. I want you to think about this. Every revelation that you and I have, every theology we have, I've said this before, I'll say it again, somehow we've got to find it in the cross. If we can't find it in the cross, we need to question it. Okay, in other words, the cross is communicating something to us. Jesus was trying to tell us something that day when this, all this happened. There was, some, there was a vital message uh, from the cross in this. Uh, this morning in the first service, I'll tell you this, I saw nine demons in our church. That's a t- and you might have brought a few more in when you came. <laughs> you know? But there were nine in here. They weren't with anybody. I don't know how they got here. But I immediately began to tell them demons, you don't have a right to be here. You've got to leave. And the Lord spoke to me and He said, there's, a, there's nine duns of God and every dun of God has an answer for each one of those demons. Okay, every. And one of the demons would be like a demon of unforgiveness. And God has an answer on the cross. See, the cross is an answer. When the enemy rises up, we can always, we can, the cross can rise up. Yeah, I mean, and the, and the enemy cannot stand against the cross because the Bible says that the, the cross defeated the enemy. Uh, Colossians 2.15 stripped the enemy, disarmed the enemy, took all his power away. And if he has any today, if those demons have power today in our lives, it's because we have allowed them to have power. We believe their lie. Right? Anyways, that's a whole nother, nother story. But here's, this is something power here. When, G, when that man said that to Jesus, think about Jesus' condition. Okay? That man was seeing something that the other guy couldn't see. Because he did not look like a Savior that day. Right? I mean, he was dying. I mean, who's going to entrust himself to a dying man? Who's going to believe uh, you're the Savior of the world? I mean, come on, look at you. You're dead. You, those guys beat you senseless, senseless. You don't have hardly any blood left. You can't breathe. You're gasping. You look terrible. You look like a mess. You don't even look like a human being. And you're the Savior? Come on. Okay? Now, that's, that's what's important. Because how many people in their life, how many of us in our lives, have, we ever, have you ever been on top? In any area of your life, whatever area, if you're a businessman, I'm on top. Everything's going great. Or if you're spiritual, you're a preacher, everything's going great. God is moving. God is doing mighty things. And then one day you found yourself on bottom. You ever experienced that? 
you were on top one day, everything worked for you. Life worked. You didn't just showed up and things worked. And then one day you find yourself on the bottom. No matter what you did, nothing worked. I'll tell you, well, that's a bad day, right? That was Jesus' bad day. I mean, he was, he was at the bottom of his life, okay? But there was one thing, even at the bottom, that he knew, okay? And this, and this is what's going to keep you at the bottom, or keep you in the bottom. When you're in the bottom, this is what will keep you. Nothing else will keep you, is he knew who he was. Okay, because he didn't say to that guy, are you kidding me? Look at me, man. I'm, no, I'm just like you. I'm dying. I'm, I've, you know, these guys have whipped me. I'm beat. You know, I thought I was a son of God, but right now I'm not thinking that. Have you ever had stuff God spoke to you when you was on top? And then when you got on bottom, you begin to wonder about what he spoke to you? Have you ever made decisions when you're on top? Okay, you made decisions about situations in your life and about circumstances in life. And then when you're on bottom, you're looking back at those decisions like, why in the world did I do that? Why did I say that? Why did I make that commitment? Well, that was where Jesus was. I, he went around declaring, I'm the Messiah. I'm the King. I'm this. I'm that. And now here he is in that situation. But guess what he did when the guy said that? He said, right. Yes. I am who you say I am. I am. I am the Christ. Because Jesus had one thing settled in him that most Christians, and I'm going to tell you, a lot of people in this room, and a lot of people won't admit to it, but it's, it's, you haven't got your identity settled yet. Okay? And see, that he had his identity very settled. And that's why he was able, when he was hanging on the cross, to say to another man, when he didn't look like he was a, he was a Messiah, when his circumstances says he wasn't a Messiah, when everybody around him was saying he wasn't a Messiah, his disciples were sitting there scratching his head. One of his top guys, Peter, had already rejected him and thrown him, thrown him under the bus. Everybody else is sort of sitting there looking at him like, this is not working out. You know, this thing's not going the way we go. This revival is hitting the, hitting the floor. In fact, it's not even a revival anymore. It's the opposite. It's a, it's a slaughtering. You know, but he still knew who he was. Okay, and it didn't, didn't make him back off from, from who he was. And he knew who he was. Are y'all following that? Whether we, everybody in this room know, realizes it a lot, and I think a lot of you know I'm sort of big into the, the identity thing. Okay, because I spent a lot of my life without identity, without true identity. So I understand what it is to live a life and not really know who you are. I understand what it lives to live a life of insecurity and, and everything in the world trying to give you identity and trying to tell you something, these, these lies. I understand that world really well. I live that world. But I also know what real identity is. Jesus got identity from the Father. Okay? Can I read the Scripture to you? This is one I've read 153 times, and this is, I'm going for 154. I love this scripture. You know, has anybody got pet scriptures? Y'all got pet scriptures, like pet revelation that you're always petting? Like, I just love this revelation. Oh, I love this revelation. Lord, I thank you so much for this revelation. I just, I just adore this revelation. I think about it all the time. I literally do adore this revelation because it radically affected and changed my life. And, and this is it, Mark 1, 10 through 11. And now, here's what I want you to get. This what I'm saying is the reason I adore this revelation is it impacted my life, but I also found it on the cross, okay? And so to me, this is, very, this, this is a very validating revelation. And this is when Jesus was baptized. It says, immediately coming up from the water, he saw the heavens parting or heavens open. That's a good day, right? When, he, when you're seeing it. And so God wants us to see heavens open. Literally, it means tore apart, but that's another story. And the Spirit descended upon him like a dove. Anybody need any peace this morning? 
in life. That would be a good day when the Holy Ghost comes and you see Him. He looks like a dove. He's on you. I mean, I'm into that. Are you into that? I mean, come on. I mean, I'm into when the Holy Ghost comes. And I want to see Him. This is one of the places, by the way, for people who say you can't see the Holy Ghost. Well, heck, Jesus saw Him. So that's not true. You can see Him. I know people who've seen Him. Anyways, but Jesus saw him. That's one of those people, and he's the only one that really counts in the end, right? Come on. Then a voice from heaven. That's another awesome thing that happens when you hear, start hearing voices. You know, I'm loving voices. I'll tell you one thing. There's a lot of revelation being released right now from heaven. I'm telling you they are. If you want to tap in, and I'll tell you, there's another, one of the places where I'm really able to really tap it really good right now is in the Word. You can pull revelation out of the Word really easy right now. It's never been this easy. So God is really speaking right now. He's releasing stuff. If you will allow it and believe it, you can get it. Um, then a voice came, you, this is it, you are my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Now that was where Jesus got his identity. Okay, this is before he started his ministry. This is right when he was baptized. We don't know too much about his life before that. Okay, but right then, Jesus got a revelation from the Father. And so, let me just say this. I don't care what anybody says, okay? If Jesus had to have this experience, are we stupid enough to think we can get through this life and, and fully without having this experience? Okay? We need this experience. We need this revelation from God the Father about our identity because there's a day coming when it's going to be challenged and challenged hard. In Jesus' case, right after that, the first thing that happened to him was what? He went into the desert, and the devil shows up. And it's the first time the devil, in the Bible, where the, the devil's words are recorded to Jesus. I'm sure he spoke to Jesus before then, in his mind at least, because he's always talking. But this is the first time the Bible wrote down what he said. And the first thing he said to Jesus was this. The same thing that man said on the cross, if you... If you are the Christ, or if you are the Son of God. See, God had just said, the Father had said, this is who you are. The devil, the first thing he says, well, if you are. And Jesus was in a mess that day. He, was, he had been fasting for 40 days, food and water. He was in the desert. It was a hard moment for him. But he withstood, and the devil said it to him several times, he withstood every attack the enemy came against him. He refused to lay his identity down. You know, he, three or four times the enemy went after his identity in the desert, and Jesus absolutely would not give in to him. Okay? But then it says something interesting. If you read Luke's version, it says, And the devil left him until an opportune time. And the opportune time, for sure, was when he was on that cross, about to die, beat to pieces, beat senseless, suffering, hardly could breathe, hardly had any blood, probably had a fever of 109, cramped up, knowing he was going to die. And there's the devil saying, well, if you're the son of God. Now, he, he, that's the moment you've got to have something from God. That's why I'm saying we're going to have to have something from God to get us through this life where we don't give away who we are. Because here's what happens. The way you view God, the Father, the way you view Him is going to come out in your life one way or the other. I've watched it over and over and over with people Sometimes when they're on top, it comes out because they get into pride. You know, if you, sometimes, but a lot of times on, when people are on bottom, this is what comes out of there. There's this question about God that comes up. Why did God, what about God, why did God do this to me? 
why is, why, if, if, if God is like this, why did He do this? There's this integrity, God's integrity begins to get, be attacked by people who really don't know, have this revelation. Because you can never really, are y'all following this? You can never really know the Father fully until you know yourself. He has to tell you. He has to reveal to you. And so when you're in that tight moment, that when, if you don't have that revelation, the first thing you want to do is you're going to start wanting to diss, diss God. I'm telling you, I've talked to enough people to hear that from them. And then try to have to talk them through not doing that just for the moment, just to get them to thinking so they won't be doing that because it's not good for them. But, but people who have this revelation of the Father, now I'm going to tell you something, it's okay to have a bad day. You know, anybody can have a bad day. God gives grace for a bad day. He had a bad day. Get up from there. <laughs> Get up in the morning and, you know, tomorrow's a new day. It's a fresh revelation. But I'm just talking about that without this revelation of who we are, that we only God can give us, we are going to be in trouble in this life when it, when it really comes down. And that's why a lot of people fall or a lot of people give up or a lot of people get messed up, you know, in that, in that terrible moment because they don't have a revelation of their identity from the Father. And so because only the Father can. Now, I wanted to say this because this is really important. Everybody is seeking identity. Everybody is seeking affirmation, okay? Everybody is, especially children. Okay, children are looking for their parents, especially their dad, to affirm them because that's really what a daddy has to do in the home. A, daddy, a daddy's responsibility is give his child identity, give him affirmation, give him provision and security. Now, I, I would... I saw this really clear one day with my granddaughter. We were at Tally House eating fried chicken. You know, they got good fried chicken there. If you like fried chicken. I love fried chicken. <laughs> I can eat some fried chicken. I went to that place, Shatley Spring. I ate so, many, so much fried chicken up there last Monday, it made me sick for two days. <laughs> I knew it was, but I didn't care because I loved that chicken. <laughs> I'm going to get sick on this, but I don't care. I'm just going to go ahead and do it pay for it later. I did pay for it. I was sort of regretting it later because I ate more than I could eat, you know. But this is, this is what I saw my granddaughter do. Her mama said, look how much chicken Emma has ate. And Emma looked straight at her daddy, straight at her daddy to see what he was going to do. See if he was going to say, yeah, look how good you are, Emma. You, look at all that chicken you ate. And whether we realize it or not, our children, I'm telling this to daddies in this room or granddaddies. Your child, your grandchild, more daddies, granddaddies are sort of backups on that. You know, we're sort of second. If the, if the daddy ain't doing it, kind of help the daddy. Just tell him. I'm telling you so you can talk to the daddy about this. Let him know. Then the child needs the daddy to tell them who they are. Because if they don't, there's a day coming when they're going to walk out the door. And guess who's going to be standing out there at the door? The devil's going to be standing out the door saying, Hey, Emma, this is who you are. Let me tell you who you are. Okay, and he's going to tell her a bunch of lies. Well, he's going to do that anyway, but if her daddy has really imparted her identity, she's going to have something in her that's not going to give in to that stuff so easy. You hear what I'm saying? So I really think fathers have to really work at that because it, I'm, I know children, I know grown-ups who've grown up, who grew up and they didn't get identity from their daddy. Okay, and this is what they did. They went and got hooked up with a bunch of 
gangsters to get a dent because the gangsters accepted them and said, you can be, they didn't say it, but that's, this is what they said to communicate. You can be a part of us. You can look like us. You can act like us. And you can be like us. And you'll be accepted. Okay? Because they were starving for a dent. I know kids whose parents, did, or like, in special dent, where their daddy cut them off emotionally. He may have loved them, but he didn't give them the emotions. He didn't give that to them. And it messed, messed the child. The child grew up and, the, and he had issues in his life. Okay, because he didn't receive something he, that was meant to be given to him. And I think a lot of our ills of our society, we can go back to, I'm not really meaning to get into all this, but this is really important. A lot of our ills in our society can go back to that one thing on the cross that Jesus had, that Jesus was trying to tell us when he was dying. Please get identity from the Father. Please get it for yourself. Please help other people get it. Make sure your children, make sure your grandchildren are getting it. Please make sure because you will save them. You will save them from a lot of hell in their life. You, you hear what I'm saying to them? To you, it'll save them. So and, and they can begin to know the Father in a, in a deeper and great way. A lot of people don't really go for all this kind of stuff. They, but but the truth is, deep down inside, if you could get them and really get to them, they were they're starving for identity. They're starving for acceptance. They're starving for. They're looking for it. And here's the great thing about it. Jesus hung on the cross and suffered because there was an identity thief in here in the form of a demon. Okay? And Jesus said, because what I did on the cross, there's a completed work. You can have your identity. I made a way for you to have your identity. I died for you to have that identity. I died that you could have the relationship with the Father that I had. The Father loved me. I was His Son. You can become a daughter or a son. Not just theoretically, not just from a heaven perspective, but I'm talking on a personal, living way in your life that will change your life. Are y'all getting this? Now, I'm saying this. If Jesus, number one, if Jesus needed it, we, we need it. And number two, if Jesus went to the cross, and that is one of the things that the dying man was trying to get to us to make sure we got, we need to hear that, right? Because it's, yeah, I mean, it's really, really great, really, un, really wonderful that Jesus did that for us. Because in your day of adversity, in your time of difficulty, you're going to need your identity. In your day of blessing, when everything's going your way, you need your identity to know that, oh, you know, I just happen to be, I'm just happen to be in Daddy's house, and that's why I'm so blessed. It's not because of anything intrinsically good in me. It's because He loved me, and I'm, He's my Father, and I can receive all that. It has nothing to do with me. It has everything to do with Him. You see what I'm saying? It'll protect you. It'll protect you in the great times, and it'll protect you in the terrible times. And so I really want to encourage daddies in this room about your kids. Granddaddies, encourage your sons or your son-in-laws about that. Tell them, remind them. Like that night when that happened with Emma, I said to Aaron, I said, did you catch that? Did you catch what your daughter was doing? That was a very, uh, think about it, a little moment over how much fried chicken she had. And she was looking in her daddy's face, looking for something from him. How many kids have looked in their daddy's face and their daddy looked away or just had a blank look on their face and missed that moment? And the next thing you know, she's looking at some guy that you would like to slap, slap across the parking lot. You know, when you get a, when you have a girl, well, anyways. That's just, that's just what happens in our society. We've... You know, and, and so there's this, this thing in our society. Uh, you know, we go to other countries and we see children 
that are left on the street. I mean, that's a whole nother level. But in America, we got children that are in homes that their parents have emotionally cut themselves off from them. And they're trying to raise them, you know, to be something special, you know, to be a good athlete, to be a good this, to be a good that. But they're not raising them as sons and daughters first. I heard Archie Manning say this. Archie Manning is the parent of Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, two of the best. And Archie Manning was a quarterback in the NFL for y'all young people who didn't know that. He was a quarterback before his two boys became quarterbacks. But this is what he said. I never raised either one of my boys to be quarterbacks in the NFL. I didn't raise them to be athletes. I raised them to be good people. I raised them to be sons. That's what I did. I raised sons who happened to be great athletes and who happened to do that. See, we've messing up with all this stuff. And we've substituted all this stuff. And a lot of reason we've substituted it is because we haven't got it ourselves and we don't realize it. And so we're not able to give them what they really need. Are y'all getting this? Jesus hung on the cross and died so we could have this. This is part of His suffering. This is part of His violent death. And we can have it based on that. We can go to the Father and say, Listen, Father, this is the way it is. Jesus suffered for this. This cannot be, this has to happen in my life because He did it for me. He made a way for me. There can't be a waste in my life over this. And I promise you the Father will begin to respond to you. And this is what will happen. He will give you that revelation. Okay? You get that revelation. And someone asked me, do you get that revelation? Does it all happen at once or is it a process? And the answer is yes to both. Is you get it all at once, but there's this process, there's this outworking in your life that you have to walk it out and you have to learn what it's like and learn the aspects of it. So you do get it all at once. It, it, it really is an eye-open revelation. But then there's a living it out. Then there's that face in the enemy who comes to you and threatens you and, and challenges you about that identity. Okay? All that stuff you have to learn. And then there's times when it just doesn't seem that nothing seems to be working in your life. You have to keep going back. Am I who he said I am? Do I have to... You know, do I have to get another revelation of it? No, I had to go back to him and say, I'm having a bad time right now. I don't feel like a son. I don't feel like you love me, but I know you do. I know you, I am a son. I know you do love me. So help me work through my feelings here. And he'll do that. And he will teach you how to live your life in a whole and healthy way. Where you're not trying to get identity from another person. You're not trying to get identity from your profession. You're not trying to get an identity from ministry. Whatever your thing is. Because it will not give you identity. It will not do it. It will leave you hanging in the end. You know, if you got your identity by being a real uh, clever banker, you may have lost your identity in the last couple of years. Or maybe one, you have your, your career all your life that you had so much identity in, and then you retire and you don't have it anymore. What are you? You just going to go fishing the rest of your life? Do you all understand what I'm saying to you? Let's just stand up. Okay? Because the Lord really wants to release this revelation to people. It is a revelation. It is something God wants to do. The cross made a way. Jesus bled for us to have this. And if we'll get this into our lives, into our hearts, it will change us. And it will release the power of God into us. So, are y'all good? Well, that's what I got out of that.